Romatopija. Romata je sintura čeren svatoka trlenđu utopija. Sarbišaja je Evropa teharateavel. Hello, Lachu Divas, and welcome to our extra episode of the podcast Romatopia, Roma Talk About Their Utopia for Europe. My name is Isabel Rabe, and I had the pleasure to host this podcast together with William Bila. A big welcome to everyone also from my side. In the last months, we were talking to 12 outstanding people from various Roma communities from all over Europe. We want to look back and sum up because we've had a, a great number of guests and uh, I think we had a few surprises. I think we're impressed uh, in a number of different ways. And well, what do you think, Isabel? Yeah, yeah, it was amazing uh, to talk to all those people. Maybe let's start with like the basic questions. Why did we inv invite all those people? Why this series? Well, for me. Personally, I think it was a chance to do something new. Uh, mm -hmm. I think we had a chance to provide a new angle on the Roma, the, mm -hmm. the Roma and Sinti, the Romani communities across Europe. And it was a new way to, to speak to people, a new group of people to speak to. Mm -hmm. And uh, just personally, I find it very satisfying in that this is something I wish existed, I don't know, 20 years ago. I <laughs> wish I would have had the opportunity to, to learn about different Roma people through some kind of yeah radio or TV broadcast uh, and and this kind of stuff just isn't available. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important to fight against the invisibility of the Roma and to offer those counter images. And it, it was good to hear Sinti and Roma themselves telling their stories. And these are the stories that have to be told again and again. And this is what, what we were trying in this podcast. And Bill, um, I looked up what you said in the welcome episode in the beginning, before we had the first uh, conversation. And you said that sometimes you're so tired of fighting for this and that and, and longing for positive momentums and, and focusing, having the time focusing on richness and that you do, that Roma do not often have the chance to discuss uh, these things between themselves. And also Jellico actually emphasized that these spaces to think are so important, to think together, to exchange ideas. Um, were your expectations met? Yeah, in this way, I have to say, yes, more more than my expectations were met. I was very positively impressed by the outcome. Uh, well, and partly because some of the surprises uh, that we'll, we'll get to later. But for me, the spaces, I think also Ethel talked about the spaces and, and Daniel, they've had projects. Mm -hmm. It's 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 taking a space, uh, occupying a space. And I think what you said is important that we need to repeat different stories. And yeah. I think we had a little bit of that here too. Well, we have 12 different people and there were some things that repeated. And you often have the, the negative, the racist discourse that is repeated throughout the centuries or through the decades. And, and uh, I think it's time that we stop just learning new things, but we also repeat some things. I think it was a success in this way without being repetitive and boring. There were yeah. some themes that came across. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we have to take a look at those similarities later. Let's first maybe sum up the 12 very diverse and amazing guests we had. It was the artist Daniel Baker from the UK, the academic and feminist Ethel Brooks from the US, the Roma rights activist Jeliko Jovanovic from Serbia, the hip-hop musicians Kefet and Selamet Prizrini living in Germany with parents from Kosovo, the Bosnian artist Selma Selman, the theater director and art historian Miguel Angel Vargas from Spain, the Albanian activist Samir Mile living in France, 
The actors and sisters Sandra and Simonida Selimovic from Serbia live in Austria. The Romanian Roma feminist Nicoletta Bitsu. The art historian and curator Timia Junghaus from Hungary. The actor and singer Lindy Larsson from Sweden. And the German civil rights icon Nacinto Romani Rosa. Well, what a lineup, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I think it's an amazing group of people. <laughs> yeah. I love all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so why these people? Well, uh, I think, first of all, uh, we needed to have a geographic balance. And I mm. think that's also, also from my point of view, I think it's more interesting to see different people from different parts of Europe. So, so geographic balance, people from different countries, different experiences, the gender balance, we have men and women, mm. hopefully not too many one or of or the other. I think different kinds of voices, different kinds of roles. I mean, we have mm. artists, we have political activists, we have writers, historians. I think it's good to, to see a variety of different people in different professions living their lives in very different ways. It shows not only to non-Roma audiences and to Roma audiences, uh, but both that, that we're we can learn about the non-homogeneous nature of our peoples and uh, uh, hopefully Roma might get to hear something that they might not have had the opportunity to in, in their daily lives. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And despite all these uh, differences and, and di diverse perspectives, there were similarities. And you know what surprised me most? No. It was so um, obvious what really every one of the over 12 guests was emphasizing the role of women in Rama families. I am the product of a single mother. My parents divorced when I was one year old, actually. And uh, it was very important for my mother to raise me uh, with the highest possible standards. My mother was telling me always the stories of her childhood, the stories of hunger, stories of violence, both violence uh, within the Roma community towards her as, you know, the poorest among them, and also uh, a daughter of a single mother who at that time was almost seen as a whore in a patriarchal community. Now, when I see what she went through, I think, you know, she never had time to be herself because she always had to bury two worlds to be a mother and to be a wife. And yeah, her story is like extraordinary. She's a hero mother for me. And regardless of like, un for her to be uneducated and illiterate, I think she's a very progressive mother because she made me who I am today. This was really astonishing. That's not such a surprise to me because I just simply, well, because of my mother too, but also, <laughs> mm -hmm. also because, well, how is culture transmitted? It's, well, it's through parents, but who's usually at home with the kids and who's, if someone's mm. out working, it's uh, usually there. We do have some, some gender roles that may be stereotypical, maybe don't want to emphasize too much, but, mm -hmm. but I think women are at home with the children more often, most often. And I think... That, that it's important to know that that has a big impact and it's nice to see that people recognize that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also let's let's have a look at our guest gift shelf because um, Ethel Brooks, for example, brought us a photo of her mother that was really touching. And this photo that I'm bringing you is, I think, from the 19, maybe from 1965. So before my mother was married... And she's sitting on the steps of 
what it seems to me is a cottage, but I don't know. And she's, she's in a bathing suit and she looks gorgeous and elegant. And I think it was the time when she may have been dating my father. And I look at that and she's got this radiant smile on her face. And, you know, she, she always wore her hair. She had curly, dark, dark brown hair. And she always wore it kind of short with the curls kind of flowing. And that's, she's got, yeah, she's got this smile on her face. She's sitting on these steps. And I look at that photo and I'm always encouraged by her smile and by her radiance and the love that really, that really comes out, even in a photo of, you know, a time before I was born, you know, before, uh, when she was still kind of out in the world and single. I also think that this photo must have been taken somewhere near the ocean, which, you know, for all of us, I, you know, as we grew up, I grew up in New England, not so far from, from the ocean. And that's also a really big touchstone from my childhood. And that's really continued to this day where, you know, we'd spend a lot of time near the ocean, both at the beach, but also, you know, smelling the sweet grass and feeling that breeze. So I can see all of that in this picture of my mother. Yeah, Ethel brought the photo of her mother. Mm. That was, well, I know Ethel. Uh, I've known her for a few years. I, I knew her uh, a little bit through social media before I met her in person, but now I know her quite well. But that, you know, uh, some things were also revealed in this interview to me that, that I didn't know before. So so it was nice to that, you know, she shared this information with, with everybody. I think mm. that, that it's a very personal point of view and uh, very valuable for everyone to hear also her point of view as a woman herself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And another thing she's always emphasizing is this um, taking Romani art as a tool of resistance and fighting for the Romani signature and the Romani authorship in the arts and in cultural contributions. Um, I think this is very important. And this is also something that a lot of our guests um, were talking about, Daniel, for example, but also Timia, who said that uh, the Roma contributed so much to the European cultural history by taking knowledge from here to there, contributing as goldsmiths, as, as actors, as performers, um, as producers of, of cultural knowledge, actually. Yes, yeah, the, besides starting with with mothers as a and the role of women as a common theme the theme of resistance is something mm. that came up and up again yeah and uh, also when again we have a look at our gifts uh, daniel brought us a catalog of the exhibition future roma he curated for the roma pavilion at the biennale in venice and timea that was also a very nice gift brought us a handmade catalog from 1973 from an exhibition of the hungarian artist tomas peli this was a very outstanding gift i think i brought you a handmade catalog Uh, from 1973 uh, at an exhibition of Tamás Péli. Uh, he was very young then, and he just returned from the Dutch Royal Academy, where he was taught as a painter. And he said, I could have stayed, but I'm coming back because my mission is here in this country. He was uh, an educated painter who then went to Tisadob and painted the largest panneau of Central Europe, a 42 square meter wall painting. And this 
Tisadop Castle was actually an orphanage where Hungary isolated primarily the Roma children who weren't going to be adopted by the white parents. So they were supposed to grow up here. And in this orphanage, there was a painting about the birds and, uh, and the history of Roma people. Uh, so these young Roma orphans were having their breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day in front of this gorgeous panel. And he created an exhibition. He most probably couldn't print a catalog for his exhibition, so he hand-wrote it, and he made photographs. And I received this little booklet uh, from his follower and student, István Szent Andrássy, with many other similar treasures. And I wish I could show it to you now because it's absolutely beautiful. With Timia, of course, we talked a lot about the power of, of Roma art and this Roma art label um, she's promoting and, and lobbying for. And I think it was very, very nice how she emphasized the contribution of, of Roma to cultural, to Europe, European cultural history. Yes, and very much focusing on, on visual art, visual images, which mm -hmm. is different from, from our other guests, but from an art historian's perspective and mm -hmm. uh, this this was interesting for me because mm -hmm. I never actually got to talk to her about these yeah. things before. Yeah and also another aspect uh, that is very important is the one, um, now it's very academic, but bringing in the post-colonial theories of the othering like Edward Said and, and Spivak um, and she was talking about how Roma were an internal European colony, that Roma are are and were colonized people and, and she told us the story about artists uh, that just went to their closest Roma settlements in order to find exotics the exotic they are they are looking they were looking for and painted it yes exactly and and I that that part of history is not so closely examined because mm. you have a lot of a lot of people today in the same region who want to go far far away to you know visit exotic places but they don't realize that historically they had ex exotic places right next to them mm -hmm. and they were exploited for mm -hmm. the, the, in the very same very, very similar way yeah know? yeah and she also pointed out how much interwoven uh, the emerging of um, romani arts and romani culture movement is to uh, the first roma world congress so politics and cultural movements is very, very close to each other. And this was very interesting, actually, because no matter with whom we talk, even academics, they are all somehow also cultural people. Yes, very much so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As a gift and from an artist, uh, I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, Selma, uh, mm -hmm. uh, she brought uh, Where is My Universal Basic Income as, as a statement. So since... <laughs> This um, conversation was uh, kind of uh, about Utopia, and uh, I actually had the work which exists only on the internet. I never did it, and it's called "Where Is My UBI? Where Is My Universal Basic Income?" And it's actually talking talking about the utopic idea of the world, which is also related to the Thomas More book mm -hmm. Utopia. So I would give you this website as a present. Great, Universal Basic Income. Yeah, it's called Where is My UBI? Where is My Universal Basic Income? Which is kind of uh, related to what I'm doing because I want universal basic, basic normal rights for every human being on this planet. Yeah. That yeah. really fits. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. an utopia. Thank you. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. For me, actually, that was probably 
let's say, the most interesting interview mm-hmm. because I didn't know her before. I never met her before. I never talked to her before. And so many common themes came up that, that I just felt comfortable as if, uh, yeah, again, not a big surprise in, in how she presented it, mm. but a big surprise in, well, I didn't know her, but I, <laughs> I, I felt like I did. And yes, yes. This, I, this idea of, you know, it's the artist who's bringing up probably as a gift, the most political idea and mm-hmm. the kind of common sense, basic way. And then you have the political activists who, yeah, uh, different diff- kind of contrast there yeah. in, in terms of uh, how things come across. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember you saying uh, in the interview, you said um, to, to, to Sema, well, you have such a different approach to being Roma. And at the same time, I feel that you are real Roma and understand everything you're talking about. <laughs> I remember this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it sticks with me. It sticks with me very much. Someone who is yeah, born and raised in the Balkans, uh, but she could fit into New York like a punk rocker or mm-hmm. London and, and, you know, a lot of different scenes. And, and for me, that's very encouraging uh, because sometimes I feel like, okay, Uh, I'm a Slovak Roma by background, but I was born and raised in the States. And maybe sometimes I come across as, I don't know, maybe too radical or Mm -hmm. uh, I'm imposing my position too much. But she was great because she has a lot of the same ideas and even stronger. And she's Mm -hmm. not afraid about saying them and she's not imposing her way. She's expressing herself very clearly. And, and, uh, well, all of our guests express themselves very clearly as well. Yeah, but she was really challenging us also, challenging our questions. I remember when we asked her, what is your Roma identity? Which is a difficult question. We have to talk about this, I think. Yes, um, yes, I brought that up several yeah, times. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and she was uh, she was like, oh, well, this is already a bit exoticizing. I mean, Roma are not aliens. Why are you asking me this? Roma identity mm-hmm. is always part of me. It's normal. This question is like the question, how is it to be a human being? That was very good. That was the most interesting answer to this question, I think, or one of, one of the most interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you expect an artist to be theoretical and ethereal and talking about lofty ideas, but she was the most direct to the point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Absolutely. And yeah, it's what you you often said. Yeah, I I did say that a few times. And and sometimes I feel the same. uh, And, you know, I I change my mind. I have a different mood. So then I feel like, oh, I was maybe too harsh on Isabel. Maybe she takes it personally now that uh, (laughs) I'm I'm saying, oh, don't ask me this question. But no, uh, I I think it's a good question. It's a valid question. And uh, uh, I also get the feeling sometimes, depending on the circumstances, is why do I have to answer this question? Mm -hmm. Because as Selma said, and and this is also something I don't remember if Samir said this directly, um, but you know, if if you question, if you question someone's humanity indirectly, if you have to say mm-hmm. we are human beings, well, if you didn't say that, that assumption should just be given, and mm-hmm. and so so you just move on and you have a normal discussion. But when someone has to say we are human beings. That means that there's a possibility that we're not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that it enters into someone's mind at some point, and that kind of lowers the conversation. Mm. And I think a lot of times with different activists, this is what happens uh, mm. in different countries. But that didn't happen in this podcast. Mm-hmm. We, did, we no. didn't have to make that assumption. No. Um, we stayed at a higher level, talked about much more interesting things. 
Absolutely. We didn't talk about uh, what is it to be Roma, what is it to live your life as Roma. Um, we went one step further, I think, um, and really talk about um, maybe a bit how this shaped the work of each of our guests, because I had the feeling that it did, and also the discrimination some of them or most of them experienced or um Yeah, this this shaped or they, they had the chance to transform this into the power um, they needed to do what they are doing. Yes, exactly. And well, it certainly shaped uh, uh, Romani Rose's uh, life and his his choices in life. And uh, mm -hmm. he brought to us a, a gift. It was a photo of the hunger strike in mm -hmm. the concentration camp in, in Dachau in 1980. And that certainly is uh, a very well-known Uh, event that I think has shaped all of our all of our lives in Europe today as a result of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he said that he lives uh, eine Jugend im Schatten von Auschwitz, a youth in the shadow of of Auschwitz. Um, I think this is a very strong sentence, a strong statement. Yes, yes, very much. Mm -hmm. What else did we did we receive as gifts? Let me see. Um, ah, that was also a very nice talk uh, with Saimir. He he brought us a normal pen written La Voix de Rome on it. Yes, it is a normal pen, but it is written La Voix de Rome on it. <laughs> This is not to advertise about our organization, but I thought of it because. It is about, a pen is about writing. Mm -hmm. Is this a new pen? Is this part of the, the current budget? Did we approve this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Samir. <laughs> and, and, here, and here we recognize the chairman who is always there to control everything is correct. <laughs> so it is new. It's not something old. It's not something from 2015 from, from like all the, the stuff that we made for the festival. This was offered by the company who printed out the visit cards of Jonutz, who is the youngest and the newest uh, member of our team. Oh, great. the mediator of La Voix de Rome. All oh, right. So, well, right. I, I want one of yeah. the pens. I want, when am I going to get it? <laughs> <laughs> so one pen well, for the president, please. <laughs> That was very funny. And, but I learned a lot uh, in this conversation um, with Saimir. I really like that he said, you know, we, we always ask what can the majority of societies learn from the Roma and this also, we, we also questioned this question. Mm -hmm. And Saimir gave the answer, I invite all members of majority societies not to learn from us about us, but to learn from us about them. The gypsies, what the majority society have created as the absolute other, which they should never become. Um, I think this was a very, very good and strong answer. Yes, I think that was a fabulously strong statement mm -hmm. and uh, typical to his style, very philosophical, very deep and, mm -hmm. and worth exploring on many levels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, what else did we get, for example, from Miguel? Miguel brought us the broken flamenco guitar from his uncle. I bring a 1974 guitar. Wow. <laughs> oh. It used to belong to my, one of my uncles who taught me the first lessons of guitar. And I bring it because uh, he gave it to me as a gift because it was broken. So he gave it to me for me to fix it, no? to go to a luthier and, and fix it. No? And that guitar 
1974. It's a re really good guitar, a really good one. It was broken in the, on the side. And it smells a lot. It smells like a cypress, kind of special wood. Mm -hmm. It's a guitar that, that, that has been with me a lot. and has been with me in moments that I value. Well, for me, it's a, one of the few things that carried me in the different movies that I had had in my life. Different houses, different cities, uh, different works. It's like, this is my guitar. A good old broken guitar that has been accompanying myself. Oh, wow. That's a wonderful present. Yeah, nice. Thank <laughs> you very much. I think this was very touching. And actually, the whole conversation with him on flamenco was a very deep one. This was really very, very interesting because we went really far beyond the question of uh, the contribution of, Rom, of Roma or, or Gitano to flamenco, but we really were asking about um, or talking about how could flamenco become the um, nation culture of Spain. Um, and this was actually, and that's what I learned, by the appropriation of flamenco by the majority society. Because he explained, as you remember, that um, that being a Ritano um, was seen as an anti-enlightenment movement. So those people in the society um, who were against the enlightenment politics were identifying themselves with the Gitanos um, and suddenly flamenco and also the everything, the music, the dance, but also the clothes became very popular. And then at the next step was that the Gitanos started to mimicry the stereotypes of flamenco in the 19th century. And that's how everyone, everything developed. I, I think this was very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, uh, very interesting, and I think it's a it's a subject that's not very well explored and not very well known to people outside of Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly within Spain, I think that uh, uh, the majority population has a lot to learn about the contributions and and what is happening in terms of appropriation. But to the outside world, uh, this is completely invisible. So so I really yeah. appreciated that, and I think that 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 was extremely valuable for for other Roma and other countries to to, to hear that because mm -hmm. very often you hear about oh Spain uh, it's a wonderful place for Roma they're so successful and mm -hmm. uh, it's a great uh, great place to to, to be and there's um, a model country for for other countries but you see that there are problems there and it's not uh, it's not something that uh, yeah uh, It's not something that you can readily see and is, is available to, to, to the public, but you really need to think and analyze and, and discuss. And uh, we all need to help each other across borders. The, mm -hmm. the Spanish Gitanos uh, need help from Roma from, from other countries to help support them in, and, and build the solidarity and, and mm -hmm. fight this resistance as well. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, Miguel was singing for us. Aunque yo vaya solito a la besana, aunque yo vaya solito. Sana, 
no me pegue más o sea y manijero que no me pegue más o sea y manijero que Patria y el que llevo and this was also very nice yes but i also remember lindy and yeah. uh, simonita and sandra and selamet and kefa it also stank for us it's the kef to the aet it's gypsies in your phone it's rgbp if you check on my shit you know we family Kate, that's G and me, he and me. Moving from town to town, ready to hit the crowd. Hypnotize you with the sound, I got no time for the clowns. Cause we give you the blessing from above when we show around. You know, K-Flow, I keep no money down, no hands down. Ich hab kein Geld in der Tasche. Trotzdem lauf ich mit meinen Tigis rum und trink aus der Flasche. Auch zu Corona-Zeiten komme ich vorbei, um Liebe zu verbreiten. Jeder weiß, K-E-F-A-E-T kommt und der geht nicht so schnell weg wie das ABC. Nein. Ich hab viel mehr für eure Köpfe. K-Flow, ich habe lange Haare, morgen trage ich Zöpfe. was nice and they also that was part of their guest gift also lindy brought us a video of a song he performed with uh raya may night yeah. um and kefait and selamech brought us a hip-hop piece which was very good as well sandra and simonida they um brought us music and a text i think they were they were very much emphasizing on the text because i mean they are really two very strong fighting women, feminists. Um, I was quite impressed of, of them both. Yeah, and I think this group meant these, these performers, basically, mm. uh, Sandra and Simonida, Lindy and, and Selamet and Kefai, they, mm. they represent resistance. It's part of, mm -hmm. it's part of their work, their, their theme, that's how they present themselves and, and their, life, their life experiences, what they had to go through in order to get where they are today. Uh, yeah. Very, very positive examples of personal resistance uh, uh, as, yeah, as individuals against the system. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And they both represented, um, I think, quite classical uh, immigrant stories. Um, so that obviously Roma 
always suffer even more from hostility and prejudices and and Kefait and Selamet, I mean we, we learned a lot about the reality of deportation of Roma from Germany into into the home, their home countries um, even though uh, they were born here in Germany. I think this was also um, yeah. important to, to point this out. I think that that was uh, very important for everyone to know, for, mm -hmm. for people who didn't know uh, about what has happened between Germany and Kosovo and the deportations and how that really affects people's lives. I think that that was very valuable for our Roma and non-Roma audiences to, to hear about this. And for me personally, I really liked Sandra and Simonita's story because I also have that immigrant story as well. And mm. to to hear someone else say, yeah, my mom said we should say we're Serbian and not Roma. Yeah. And why should we say that? And my mom said the same stuff to me, but it was in America under slightly different circumstances. But still, it's the immigrant story. And mm. so as someone coming from Slovakia to America or Serbia to Austria, uh, It's 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 a common immigrant story with the extra Roma twist on it, and I think <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I think we're not the only ones who had that, and I think it's good for for people to hear that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we also talked to Nicoletta Bitsu. She also brought us a photo, but not of her mother, but of her two beautiful daughters. It's like a picture for a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. and they are both smiling, and the position they have. Uh, they are in posing. It's a position which reproducing a position from their uh, when they were babies, you know. Ah. Babies. <laughs> so the fact I like about this picture is that they smile and they have a light on their eyes and uh, the smiling and they are beautiful women. Mm. Oh my god! Yes, they are. <laughs> But you know why I brought this picture, this gift to you is because my daughters have been my my compass mm. in my life. Yes, mm. I have them. They have been my compass and they've been, how to say, in some days when I was down, they've been the reason why I woke up and starting the day all over again. Hmm. And still the reason why in some days I wake up and, okay, start over the, again. So they've been my 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 reason to, to be. Mm -hmm. And they saved me from many things. I mean, they saved me from darkness. Talking to Nico, you really feel that her life was so much a fight, fight for Roma rights, fight for this, fight for that. Um, and she really now started to recover. And this was a very personal um, personal conversation, I think, because she, she was talking about her fight, but also about the power of resi resilience. Um, yeah. Yeah, she has done a lot of work and she deserves a, a lot of recognition for, mm. for the contributions she's made. She, she is very much a fighter. She's uh, very politically involved and help help make progress uh, mm. for women and for Roma, uh, both. Mm. And, and uh, this interview uh, was quite interesting because she really exposed herself in a personal way. And, mm -hmm. and it was, yeah, a very personal interview. So while she did talk about a lot of the political things that, that uh, might interest people about her, her work in the past, uh, I think it was very revealing and mm -hmm. very valuable for that reason, for people who maybe don't feel so comfortable talking about their personal lives and, and uh, maybe people who don't have so much of an insight into uh, the personal experiences that are yeah, joyful mm -hmm. and painful that, that uh, we all experience. I think that's something that I don't, I don't know of any other podcast who has had that kind of a conversation. Yeah. And I think it's important for all of us to see 
the humanity. Uh, this yeah. is, yeah, uh, I'm going against what I said before, is that if you mention that someone's human, you're, you question it. But here, it just happened. Yeah. It was natural. And mm -hmm. I think it was an observation for, for me and I hope uh, for our audience that uh, just like any other podcast, we are talking to each other just like any other people. And some people really... You know, uh, you get to know them, you get to know their feelings, their emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is valuable for all of us to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this was very, these were very touching, touching moments and very, very important aspect of, of our podcast, I think. And she also said about, again, identity, um, that her Roma identity is a public statement and that it had always been a public statement in her family and it keeps the family together it is family ties and I just wanted to add two other comments regarding being Roma or identity from Daniel um, and Lindy because they were very similar Daniel said I realized that for a long time I'd turned my back on a huge part of myself i.e the gypsy part of myself probably because being at school and secondary school I felt these were in a way going to be a hindrance to my getting on in the world and that had become second nature Once I embraced my community's knowledge and my experience of my community, I was then able to kind of fly. Lindy said something quite similar. I know that some people are talking about that they feel like reduced when they get labeled like Romani artists or like they do Romani art. Some people, you know, feel like that. And I can totally understand that. Because as an artist, you want to work in different levels and layers. And I understand it's problematic. But, but for me, I feel it's... A little bit different, I must say, because I know I'm an artist that happens to be Romano. But when I say I'm a Romani, Romano artist, I don't feel reduced, really. No. I, I feel enlarged. Yeah, that's that's very important. It can, you can look at these labels in different ways and you can see them as very restrictive or you might think uh, the general public might perceive them as restrictive, but when you get a chance to express it yourself and, and see the power in it, uh, I think those are important messages for all of us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jeliko Jovanovic, he brought us a bracelet actually from his wife. Uh, and he said that this is marking his maturity. And he said how important this partnership is with her, with his wife. Yes, he, he also was talking about uh, his cooking skills during the COVID <laughs> yeah. crisis, uh, being confined at home, um, and, and things that he never really talked about professionally or publicly before. Uh, I think uh, you mentioned, or we've seen him tweet about that as well mm. afterwards, that um, we've seen a different side to him as well. And I think... I think that's the power of the podcast to, to when you have so many different people and uh, a chance to, to really talk uh, it, it you, you just have the chance to see the person. And, and that's, that's what we were hoping for. And that's part of what I felt was a big success here. Yeah, absolutely. To, to focus on the, on the richness, on the power, um, on the people. I mean, we took our time. The podcast interviews um, were about one hour or even more, and and it was this was important because the guests took their time to say what they what they want to say, and this was very nice. Yeah, and and uh, although they were pre-recorded, we tried to keep it as light and as serious as possible, allowing people to say everything that they wanted, and and assuring them, you know. Uh, 
uh, you can say that a second time or, or don't, don't feel under pressure, say mm-hmm. what you really want to say, uh, because the luxury of a recorded podcast is that you can do some editing and, uh, uh, we, I believe also, uh, thanks to Katya Lehmann, we have a, a very good editing where yeah. she captured all of the work with all of the major points that, that everyone said and, and in a way that yeah, uh, is more concise than if it were a live broadcast as well. Absolutely. And I mean, this is the time to say a big thank you to Katja Lehmann for the production and for, um, for the direction of these these podcasts um she made it shine <laughs> yes very much so thank you katya and of course also thank you to andreas roth who was doing the mastering um and yeah trying to to find solution for some internet audio problems we had um, i think he did a very very good job yes thank you andreas very 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 much <laughs> Yeah, and we also included some games. That was always very nice. We had this association game, and then we had this game in the end where we were asking our guests if they had the chance to pose one question on all media channels for one day. So if they would have the chance to have the attention of the whole world for one day, what would this question be? And this was quite surprising, um, the answers we got. You know, my first answer is, what do you really know about your Romani neighbors? But the second question is, perhaps, why are we so afraid of change? And why are we so afraid to open up our world and our lives to other people? When we wake up in the morning and go to bed uh, in, the, in the night, What can we say? How did we use the day to make the world the better place for everyone? Where are our rights? Where where are where is uh, our universal basic income? Where are all these wasted years of trying and why? Why and how? Can we all be together and like not make the differences between us? Bist du bereit, dich kennenzulernen? Ich meine jetzt mit Yin und Yang. Bist du bereit, dich kennenzulernen mit deinen Dämonen und deinen Engeln? Ich glaube, meine Frage wäre: Können wir der Community mehr Bühne geben? Do you love your system? Have you ever thought about what you can do for the world to change it for your life to be better. Woher komme ich? Warum verurteilen wir andere, die anders sind? I would ask people if the hate they feel towards us make them feel better. What makes you happy at the moment? What gives you joy at the moment? Or in other terms, you know, how are you thankful? Create a hashtag would be wonderful, <laughs> you know. I, I would love to see this hashtag go around the world. Hashtag Mander Honka Roman. Mander Honka Roman, can you explain? Mander Honka Roman, I am Romano. Ich würde eine, eine Erwartung stellen. Respektieren Sie, dass wir 600 Jahre in diesem Land leben, dass wir das gleiche Recht haben wie Müller und Meyer. Wenn wir auch Rose, Blum oder Reinhardt oder Eckstein 
oder sonst irgendeinen Namen haben. Wir sind seit 600 Jahren Deutsche. Man muss endlich dazu übergehen, das anzuerkennen und uns die gleichen Rechte geben wie Müller und Meier, die ebenfalls nur Deutsche sind im Pass und im Sinne unseres Staatsbürgertums. Another question we had to all of our guests was, what could we learn from Roma? Roma as role models. This was also always quite interesting and sometimes critically discussed. Yeah. What was really something that came up again and again was the adaptability of Roma, their unconventional approach to life. Yeah, it was always like uh, we survived. Here we are. That's already being, being a, mo a role model. Then it was often about solidarity, family, the notion of belonging to, to the community. Yeah, and I really remember uh, and, and uh, strongly identify with uh, Daniel and, and Ethel's statements uh, in, in that uh, what I recall, uh, now I'm not sure if I recall correctly, <laughs> but uh, there was a, a mention or a discussing of being avant-garde. So, yeah. so what have Roma done before uh, everyone else has done? Yeah. How are we leading the way? If you open your eyes, you can see we have led the way in, in, mm -hmm. in speaking about, you know, being a nation without borders, being the first Europeans. Uh, mm -hmm. How is that important to the European Union today? Uh, being in the, the, the avant-garde, you know, with mm -hmm. uh, Ethel speaking about, you know, palm reading and mm -hmm. uh, Sigmund Freud and psychology and, and mm -hmm. being the forerunners. Yeah, but also the sustainable lifestyle, living in harmony with nature, recycling. That's also something um, Daniel was was emphasizing. Yes. Yeah. yeah, very actively. Recycling in your artwork, in your handicrafts, in 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 recycling in culture mm -hmm. uh, what we use and what we decide to to keep using it's uh it's uh interesting how that was all woven together yeah absolutely and then again selma was the one turning it upside down giving the answer uh re as a role model um let's let's say the the other way around why shouldn't we be a role model <laughs> that was also yeah. good <laughs> yeah very good question like i said uh that was what <laughs> impressed me the most yeah Yeah, maybe you remember the answer of Kefait and Selame to this question, um, Roma as role models. They refer to the Jedi Knights' fight against the dark power and gaining their own power out of the dark. Man kennt ja die Jedi-Ritter. Und Jedi-Ritter sind ja die Leute, die sich nonstop mit dem Dunklen befassen, muss das Dunkle bekämpfen müssen und sogar aus der Dunkelheit Kräfte ziehen, um die Dunkelheit zu bekämpfen. Und wir Roma, wir sind eins zu eins genau das, wo... Leute äh, schon den Kopf im Sand stecken, fangen wir Roma gerade an, uns zu entwickeln. Yeah, yeah, the Jedi Knights. Yeah. Uh, that 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 really impressed me, and and uh, I kind of link that to to Lindy indirectly because of his love of superheroes and yeah. Marvel comics. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, so that that came across as well. You know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Sandra and said we are chameleons. Mm -hmm. Chameleons, die überall gut leben können. Wüste, kein Problem, wir werden zu Sand. Stadt, kein Problem, wir werden zu Beton. Dschungel, yeah, wir werden zu Baum, zu Pflanze. Und Sprache, kein Ding. Okay. In einem kürzesten Zeit alles angeeignet. Put us in the jungle, we become the jungle. Put us in the city, we become um, um, uh, concrete. 
put us in in the desert, we become sand. It's again the adaptability. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's that's very important for for actually a lot of our non-Roma audience to hear because uh, we often see in 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 the news and yeah, maybe some people are affected by the stereotypes and and certainly you know that's a phrase that's used very much in the Czech and the Slovak media to describe Roma as the inadaptables. Inadaptable, can't find a job. Inadaptable, need yeah. social welfare. But the reality uh, that we see when we look at the 12 million people in uh -huh. Europe or we look at our 12 individuals here who have different professions in different countries, adaptability is something every single one of them had to do in order to succeed. Yeah. And, and they've all succeeded very well. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, you're right. We we call this podcast series Romatopia because we wanted to talk about our our utopia. What is the Roma utopia uh, mm. for Europe? And that's that's a question that always came at the end mm. for each of our guests. And uh, I think uh, maybe we should start by discussing our our idea of uh, mm -hmm. utopia. Uh, what do you think, Isabel? What's what's <laughs> how would you see your idea of a utopia? Yeah, I mean, of course, I, I thought about it a lot over the last month doing this podcast. Um, and I would say a decolonized Europe is my utopia. I wished for a decolonized Europe that admits its colonial past, whose colon colonialities still have an effect today, a Europe that wakes up and sees, and by this finally also recognize the eternal colonized minority of Roma as free and equal people. So that's a decolonized Europe is my utopia. So your your answer is very much influenced by, by Timea and, and her political artistic uh, analysis, but I guess also Miguel and, mm -hmm. and Nicoletta and I think to a certain extent Daniel and Ethel spoke or, or uh, if they didn't say it directly, touched upon these ideas of decolonization. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Taking over the space. Yeah. Absolutely. Ethel said an utopia for Roma is an utopia for the world. And, and I mean, Romani Rose, Jellico, Nicoletta, they all asked for Europe to redefine itself somehow. And Bill, what is your utopia and what is your Roma-topia? Well, I, my, my Roma-topia would be for, for there to for there to be a spark with enough momentum for people to recognize that we are the avant-garde we have mm -hmm. contributed in an avant-garde way and we can continue to do that and and for me this this is on uh, a number of different levels mm -hmm. as i said ethel ethel mentioned uh, sigmund freud and his psychoanalysis starting based on fortune telling and and this just makes me think of of how many different things must have come or must have been influenced basically by our cultures mixing with each other um, I'm, I'm a strong believer in a federal Europe, and I was very pleasantly surprised when uh, Romani Rosa <laughs> said the United States of Europe yeah. as a political solution, because yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he very often speaks, or uh, I would say in the past, or mm -hmm. I remember hearing him speak of, you know, we need to emphasize that uh, we are citizens of our nation state. So Roma in Germany or Roma and Sinti in Germany as German citizens mm -hmm. and uh, Roma and Sinti in the Czech Republic as Czech citizens, because it's the nation state that has the power 
currently in the current system. Uh, and I think that's a very practical political point, uh, which which uh, I think is worth listening to. Uh, at the same time, as a as a utopia, I'm I'm all for Europe, and I think we we need to get rid of those borders. And I yeah. think a federal Europe would be the best way. And I I was, you know, to hear a political guy like Romani Rosa say, "Hey, I want a United <laughs> States of Europe." Yeah. I thought, "Hey, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah." Maybe maybe I'm I'm a smart guy too. <laughs> I can say that, you know. You are. And, yeah, uh, I mean, so that that. Timia also said that yeah, I have a ra very radical utopia, United States of Europe, and and yes. you you answered, but that's what I'm talking about every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but what, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's it's important to say United States of Europe means really a political, cultural, value-based Europe. That's what everyone emphasized: freedom of mobility, enough food for everyone, um, equality for for every minority, for every human being. Yeah, and Sandra and Simonita said, you know, a European passport, yeah. you know, make Romanes an official language. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that would be great too. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. Why not? And I think Samir had a very, uh, as usual, very mm -hmm. deep philosophical answer that, that makes you think, you know, when Europe is aware enough of what is fake and its comfort, you know, mm -hmm. uh, then utopia can start. And Europe yeah. is a construction. You know, we can make Europe something else. Europe can be a different construction. Yeah. And uh, it's not yet, not yet the home for all Europeans. And it's not enough in the way or in the form that it is today. It's not, it's not enough of a home for those who are here, who have been here for centuries. So a federal Europe, a new Europe, a Europe that recognizes all the things that are missing is that utopia. And for, mm. for me, I think those are the influences. Uh, hearing this from other people, it was, it was nice to kind of get a confirmation that, that some of us think in a similar way and it's it was good input for me yeah. because it made me think different aspects to what that united europe could be yeah yeah maybe this is the message of the podcast let's reconstruct europe and let's um include roma in this reconstruction decolonize and reconstruct and uh, <laughs> inclusive for all i think that that's that came across quite well from everybody yes that's why we did this and that's why we want to continue doing this Right. Yes, very much so. Yeah, and it was nice uh, seeing some of the reactions from the audience. Uh, I got a few messages from a few different people, Isabel. I'd mm -hmm. like to share them. Maybe yeah. maybe you you could mention a few yourself. But mm -hmm. I got uh, messages from people who said, "Wow, what great timing! I'm I'm learning about my Romani family history, and uh, this is like exactly what I wanted to hear because of uh, what I know and what I don't know, uh, mm -hmm. and it helps fill in." picture for me and and the the sim similarities of some of the stories resonate very much with me personally <laughs> another person wrote i really love the interview with selma because it was fun it was <laughs> fascinating it was educational and it was full of bacht <laughs> so, like <laughs> mm -hmm. full of full of luck and joy so mm -hmm. uh, i was thrilled to get that message and i just thoroughly agreed yeah me too i received a lot of uh, feedback from roma and non-roma um some gadgets some um, non-roma said that had no idea and they were just simply surprised that there were are artists and academics with Roma backgrounds so really very basic filling in the knowledge gaps of the majority of society so that's what we also did but also a lot of feedback for example when you're following the comments on Facebook um, I had the impression um, that it was very empowering for members of Roma communities um, To, to see their fellows um, talking for one hour. Um, a lot of comments like, I love Timia, and I, uh, she, she, Ethel, you should write a book about your life. That was one, <laughs> uh, one feedback yeah. received. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think there was some some responses regarding Lindy and and that it was great to have someone intersectional uh, yeah. on the podcast and uh, LGBT Roma. Uh, you know, nice to see someone like them, mm-hmm. uh, like like me, like us yeah. in the podcast. So so to be able to make that visible, it was very empowering as well. Yeah, yeah, it was important. In a way, it kind of for me, this podcast series summarizes in 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 a short way, uh, kind of. 20 years of experience in terms of exposure to, to Roma culture across Europe. Uh, uh, because I always, I always felt, oh, I wish, I wish my Slovak Roma friends, they would know, get to know some of the guys I know in Spain mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or some of the ones in, you know, former Yugoslavia. That mm. There's so many things that are different that are worth just exploring and still having, you know, a common experience. And uh, I think you get to do that with this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you understand so much more when talking to people instead of studying books and reading and listening to lectures and whatever. Yes, and it's very difficult to go and find the right book in the right place (laughs) (laughs) and find one that's interesting to read and find Mm -hmm. one that's, you know, academically correct. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of effort. And here you have you know, you have great people and you can just listen to them. It's it's a lot less effort. So that's that's what I meant for, for me is like, uh, this is a good cross-section of people that, you know, after years and years of volunteering and working in, in this field, uh, I had a chance to meet many of these people before, but it's only after many, many years. And, and uh, now everyone gets to do that all within a couple of weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it really, it was fun and it was important and it was thought-provoking and it was such a pleasure to work with you bill really i enjoyed it very very much (laughs) uh that's likewise isabel (laughs) so we have to continue with the second season don't we yes and a third and a fourth and a fifth yeah 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 yeah. we still have uh, uh, some years (laughs) before us yes but we will yeah yeah and i'm just trying to think of yeah how could how could we do this? Who who would be the next set of people? What would what would the audience like to see? Are mm-hmm. there certain themes that maybe the audience would like to explore? Maybe maybe people listening now could give us some ideas of what what they think would be interesting. That's a very good idea. Go ahead, contact us. Who shall we talk to? What shall we talk about? Did we miss something? Have you got any ideas, inspirations? We are grateful for uh, for your feedback, dear listeners. So, um, thank you to everyone who was supporting us, the Federal Agency for Civic Education and also the Council of Europe, the Roma Travelers Team. And thank you to uh, all our listeners. Thank you for for listening to us, for sharing the podcast with your friends, and uh, we hope that uh, we hear from you. Thank you, Isabel, for for this lovely podcast series. Uh, It's been a pleasure working with you, and I wish you a great summer and hopefully a great post-COVID summer for you. I wish you the same. Thanks, Bill. It was such a pleasure. So I hope to see you soon um, in person. Until then, uh, have a have a good time and goodbye. Budpacht and goodbye. <laughs> Romatopia is supported by the Federal Agency for Civic Education and the Council of Europe Roma and Travelers team. Idea and concept, Isabel Rabe. Romatopia is hosted and edited by Isabel Rabe and William Bila and directed by Katja Lehmann. Sound design by Selamet and Kefait Prizreni. Cover motif by Daniel Baker. Production Media Bricks Berlin 2020.